Hello and welcome to Kicking Balls, the podcast where two 20-something Americans give out a whole lot of opinions on soccer as if they're fact. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. We took quite a long We're break. We're back. But yeah, um, I think it was good, though. I think we needed, we needed it. it a little. Um, you yeah. probably needed it as well. And, uh, you know, football is still continuously going, so it's not like... It doesn't end. So we're back. Um, a lot of things to talk about. We're going to kind of um, go through a bunch of stuff. So we'll see what happens. We might be out of practice. We'll see. Um, <laughs> I don't think that we are. I think we've been too ingrained. Um, but we're going to start with Bex the fixtures and more so and of like where everyone. Everything that league. happened in the Premier League since then. Yeah. yeah. Um, basically the current state of the Premier League um, and where we're at. We are. Almost just about at the halfway point of the premier league season um usually that falls on festive fixtures obviously with the world cup break um it didn't um yeah but i think it is it is sort of worth talking about like where where everybody stands right now because there's a lot to be said i think about where where everybody's at and the state of a couple of teams in particular um (laughs) particularly going into this um transfer window and and what's sort of going on across the board um i think festive fixtures too kind of solidified some things maybe a little bit into like i feel like now we have a consolidated group who are gunning for the top four consolidated teams gunning for the like top spot and then like a group that's fighting just like i feel like some things have been solidified slightly it um, feels that way, yeah. So, um, I think first and foremost, uh, following festive fixtures and the couple of games that have since happened um, in the new year, um, Arsenal is still sitting top of the league at forty-four points. Hell yeah, um, baby! City is just behind them, five points back um, at thirty-nine. Um, the most, the biggest thing to note about the state of these two teams is that they still play each other twice that they still have to play each other twice so this um and we said this when we met up in person over break but um we you know sort of think we are of the opinion that it is very likely barring anything you know anybody driving themselves off a cliff which um, arsenal i would like to say could totally has the capacity to do but i said i don't I don't think that's going to happen, but you know, never say never. Never say you never. Know, uh, City's not looking too hot right now, anyway. But um, we think that this title race is likely going to come down to those two head-to-head fixtures. Yeah. Um, because we've seen over recent weeks, City drop points. They they picked up a draw, and it seemed like, oh, maybe the app's going to widen. But then the following game week, Arsenal dropped points. Yeah. And City didn't so what we've seen is essentially what yeah is essentially what i expect us to continue to see happen is that the teams will likely drop a similar amount of points yeah over the rest of the season and it is very likely that it comes down to the six points that are in direct contest between the two of them yep um fun for us i suppose yeah um i don't know so that's i don't know i don't think we guessed at the beginning of this season that it was going to be our two teams fighting it out but 
I think you expected mad it about to be your it. team. I, I thought my team would be currently in fourth place. So, but go. you know what? I don't think anybody's mad about it. Um, I and I hope by not. anybody, I mean you and me. I don't think either of us <laughs> are mad about it. We're the ones who matter anyway. So. <laughs> um, but I think I said earlier before before we hit record that I do think that this is a maximum. The title race this year is a maximum of a three horse race. Yeah. Um, I think I think there's a chance that it is that it stays just the two horse race that it's kind of been for a while that it stays just is it going to be Arsenal is it going to be City but I think that Man U is making a run Man U is running up the table they are they are on the hunt I believe yes um and I think that this is that time of year when Arsenal sometimes starts to slip all the time Um, all the time it's February I mean yeah January so So but February is the month to which our season always dies. So, so stay we'll tuned. see what happens this February. But I also, and we'll talk about it a little bit more later, I think probably, but City is struggling a little bit right now. Um, yeah. Really inexplicably. Um, there's no, they're just not, they, they, they ground out a win last week against Chelsea in the Premier League. And then they performed much better at the weekend and kicked Chelsea's ass. Um this is, of course, a struggling Chelsea team, so there's that to keep in mind. But nonetheless, um, City is, is sort of inexplicably not performing to the level that everyone knows that they can perform. Um, yeah. Holland has really not found his sort of nose for goal the same way that he was in the first half of the season. Um, I honestly feel like De Bruyne has really struggled the last couple of games. Um I don't have explanations for anything. Yeah. Um, I think at the Premier League Chelsea game, the first half of the game, um, Pep was clearly trying something tactically that didn't work. And then they looked much better in the second half um, when he changed it back to what they had been doing. But like Cancelo and Kyle Walker have not have not been great. No, they have not um, looked good. I, I, that's what I was going to say. My one comment on that is it did like, <sighs> I think the Chelsea, it was the Chelsea Premier League game. They, the subs that were made at halftime in that game changed everything, I think. And yeah, it was I just sub- don't think that they looked Cancelo, especially, it, I don't think looked good at all. Yeah, it was also a tactical thing. Um yeah. they sort of switched how they were playing completely with the subs, yeah. but they essentially went back to a four man at the back. Um Rico Lewis has looked really, really good. Yeah. Um, the 18-year-old Academy kid who is kind of firmly now first team player. Um, but he I think in my opinion, should be in this best 11 right now, the starting 11 right now. Yeah, um, I, would, I think he deserves it. But anyway, point point to say that Arsenal, this tends to be around the time of year when Arsenal hit a wall, so we'll see if they do or don't this year. City is is stumbling a little bit. They're not quite purring in, in perfect order that, that we've come to expect them to. So there yeah. is potentially a little bit of an opening for Manu to close a gap. Um, so we'll see. Um, I said that while Newcastle right now is in third, um, Arsenal City and Manu, who is sitting in fourth, all have a game in hand on Newcastle. Um, so that's worth noting. If everybody wins their game in hand, um, Manu is in third um, and Newcastle is in fourth. Yeah, I mean, I, nothing to, against Newcastle. And I mean, so Arsenal tied Newcastle 0-0 in a 
just like kind of a slug fest of a match um last weekend and i just i i don't anticipate newcastle being able to maintain and again we could be completely wrong um yeah but i mean they they play defense and honestly got a little bit lucky at times but you know i think i think newcastle has the beginnings to a really good squad i just think that they lack the experience and the depth um of a sort of of a title race at this point like yeah. they just don't yeah like even though arsenal have not done it in a while historically they have arteta knows it arteta a lot of the players it, yeah. yeah a lot of the players have been in title races before um and just the, there's sort of a grind to a title race that I just don't think Newcastle at this point has has and I yeah. just I have a hard time they're they really can't afford to slow down if they're going to compete with Arsenal City and Man U yeah. um and I just don't know that I see that happening I but um, I would like to say that I totally think they could end up in the top four I think that oh, yes. is absolutely yes. like probable at this point um, yes. And I really think it could be United City, Arsenal, Newcastle. Not in that order, but I, I honestly think that that could be the top, the top four. four. Yeah. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Um, I think sort of the next group of teams, you've got your Tottenham, you've got Liverpool, Fulham continues their their strong performances. Yeah. Brighton has had a handful of strong performances recently. And then Brentford, who is right in ninth. Yeah. Um, is conducting themselves perfectly well. Um, and, and I there's think not that-, that many. I mean, Tottenham's a little bit closer. I put Tottenham like in the running for the top four more just due to how close they are yeah. in points to United and Newcastle. But then mm-hmm. like Brentford has 26 in ninth place and Liverpool has 28 in sixth place. And in between yeah. them are Fulham and Brighton. So that's a yeah. really tight, that's a really tight window. Fulham um, and and Fulham and Liverpool are on the same amount of points right now. Um, yeah. It's Liverpool worth noting Fulham a has a game. Yeah, full, uh, Liverpool has a game in hand, but Brighton is only one point behind, um, and they have that same game in hand. Yeah. So, it, point being that there's there's a sort of it's really from fifth to tenth because we'll include Chelsea. I guess Chelsea's not. I just don't think Chelsea's good. I think I don't think Chelsea trouble, really but... has it. But again, they are only points, points wise behind points Liverpool. wise from from you know, from sixth to 10th is there's only three point difference yeah. from six to 10th. So, so there's a lot of, um, there's a sort of a, a pack there that I think is probably in contention for European spots. Um, but I think I, I actually want to talk about Chelsea a little bit. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Maybe because this is because I've seen them play twice in the last week um, oh, because right. they played city twice in the last week, yeah. but I've been sort of thinking about Chelsea a lot. And also because they have a lot Chelsea of have, Chelsea have like 10 first team guys injured. They basically a, have a really ridiculous 11, amount. Yeah. Um, which is obviously really unfortunate and not much Graham Potter can do about that. And nonetheless, their players are performing well below where they should be. Um, and while we were talking earlier before we started recording about how um, they have now brought in Jal Felix on loan. Yeah. Um, not entirely sure how much that's really gonna help i'm not really sure if that's what the problem is it's one of those where i'm i'm 
I'm not sure what the problem is. I don't know um, either. <laughs> because they really should, even with all of their injuries, and that list is not insubstantial. It is a very long list. Yeah. Um, but even then, they have a talent level that they should still be performing a little bit better than they are. They just don't... This is going to be pretty harsh, but they just kind of don't look like they care. Like, the players just don't seem... Maybe maybe not care isn't the right... they, They don't seem to have any sort of belief that they can go into a a game and come out a winner yeah they kind of give me vibes of like arsenal a few seasons ago that like sort of had the pieces and players but like just there was no like moving for like there was no like it feels like effort forward almost it feels like they had a bunch of guys get injured and they went well that's our season yeah like i never feel like they've really gotten going and Maybe the no. change of manager impacted it. And we talked about Tuchel leaving. And I don't think Graham yeah, Potter's I, a bad manager. I, I think don't Graham know. Potter's a good manager. Yeah. I just don't. And, you know, I think Graham Potter got a kind of shitty situation in the sense that he came in with a bunch of guys who were brought in very deliberately for or by Thomas Tuchel. And there, it's difficult. That's difficult, first and foremost. And also, like, while I think he was doing great at Brighton, and while I have obviously Brighton is ahead of Chelsea in the table right now, yeah, like I do some poetic gestic potentially. There is a different sort of mindset at a club like Chelsea versus a club like Brighton yes and the expectations and the sort of weight of those expectations yes it's a whole different different. it's a whole different Um, and the amount of money that you have as a manager at your disposal yeah at Chelsea versus Brighton are, are very different things and so I I don't know that you can really it's hard to blame Graham Potter because I think he's in a pretty shitty situation that is like not of his own making at all. Yeah. But at some point, you know, I think Chelsea have lost or they, they've won something. I don't know if lost, but I think they've won something like one of their last eight or something like that. Like really bad. It gets a really bad run, all competitions. Um, and and I may and I sort of that's not maybe not be quite right, but essentially like they've they're in a really bad run right now. Yeah. And at some point, yes, okay, you've brought in Jal Felix. Like they like have to win this weekend. Um I don't know who they're playing, but they they kind of have to, I think they're playing Fulham. I don't know. I can I look. I don't know why. I think that. But um anyway, they are. They're playing Fulham. Yeah. Like that's not a that's oh that's tomorrow. And honestly, yeah. nothing's to say Fulham doesn't win that game. Exactly. Like I think they honest to God, I think they have to be Fulham. Like yeah. I 
because I think that at some point, like, yes, you've got all these guys injured. You don't want to like, that's not Graham Potter's fault. Like, but at the same time, like these guys look really complacent. He's not getting the most out of the guys that he does have available. Like, I don't think, I, I think his team selection in Sunday's FA Cup game against City was not good. Um, like, I, I think I don't want to, like, shoot Graham Potter because I don't think he's the root of the problem. But yeah. the issue is that you can't address the root of the problem in a way that's going to make Chelsea that's going to turn around Chelsea's season like there's just not enough time like the root of the problem is much deeper than you know any one thing and so the only thing that you kind of can do is change out your manager and I and I think I sympathize for everybody involved at Chelsea because like there's kind of nothing else that they can do um and so I think, okay, you know, I don't think Graham Potter is getting fired this weekend. No. But I think if they bring Joe Felix in and if they bring in anybody else, like if they bring in another cup player or two and things don't turn around fairly quickly, I think Graham yeah. Potter's in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, um, you'll start hearing more whispers about... Uh, they have already started. Okay, more um, more whispers Yeah. about... Because the because yeah because the reality of the situation is like that's the only thing that you can change at the drop of a hat yeah yeah you know injuries are injuries you have the players you have you know the management is the management the only thing that you can change is the coach um so if I were Graham Potter I and and the other thing too is that like I don't feel like these players at Chelsea are gonna like really turn it up for their manager the way if you remember earlier this season I felt like the Leeds team did for Jesse Marsh like there was yes. a moment yeah. there yeah, where good, Jesse Marsh seemed like he was maybe in a little bit of trouble and, the and Leeds they beat guys Liverpool like, didn't they? no yes yeah um, <laughs> they were like we are we are you are not getting fired like we are gonna put our, yeah. our bodies on the line because we believe in our coach and I do wonder I don't feel like that... anybody's doing that for Graham Potter yeah I was gonna say like I think that Jesse Marsh even with Leeds's slow not spell, that the situations are comparable like I'm just, but... my point is I think that the Leeds players had already rallied behind Marsh before that had happened like in oh yeah philosophy and whatever and I and it makes you wonder, have the Chelsea players really rallied behind Graham Potter in the sense yeah. that like he came in midseason? There's nothing to really say that the players dislike Tuchel. Like I honestly think that some of them might be upset that Tuchel left. Yes. Um, and I think that that I think that you can tell that there isn't this like blind loyalty to the manager that like boosted leads when they needed it to yes I also think they're I think it was Craig Burley said on ESPN FC um this weekend that um Graham Potter does not have a very long resume Mm. now obviously that's something that you have to build as a coach and I again I think Graham Potter is a pretty good manager I have no problem with Graham Potter as a manager. I think he did great at Brighton. But like yeah. we said earlier, it's a really big jump from Brighton to yeah. 
yeah you know chelsea and it is also a very different place and a managerial career to go from someone like thomas tuchel who is well established coached at clubs like psg and dortmund you know established yeah. european giants and then yeah. came to chelsea and somebody like graham potter so like does the question is essentially like does Graham Potter have the necessary experience in order to manage large egos? Does he have the necessary experience to command respect from some of these more veteran players who have done, who have won Champions Leagues, right? Because yeah. this is a Chelsea team that won the Champions League a couple years ago. A lot of these guys were on that team. Now we can talk about that game if we want. I actually no, we can't talk about that game. Um, but that season, you know, is what it is. I have my opinions on that. But you know, <laughs> a lot of these guys are Champions League winners. Like, yeah, Graham Potter before he took the Chelsea job never coached in the Champions League, which like, is yeah, you know, like which obviously everybody's got to start somewhere. But perhaps Chelsea was not the like perhaps it was a jump too big yeah it's so hard to know it's so hard to know i obviously too, this is speculation but it's a speculation i wonder too if it hadn't been a mid-season move like what if he had went to chelsea at the end of this season he would have had the entire summer with the team exactly exactly that also probably would have benefited him I there think are also, mid-season moves are so hard and you honestly sometimes see this. It takes a second to click. It feels like it's not in some way. It feels like it might not be Graham Potter. It feels like it might be the players. Well, I also, I, I think it is the players, but I think part of it is there are a number of players who signed on specifically under Tuchel. Right? Like yeah. Aubameyang yeah. specifically comes to mind. You know, <laughs> Aubameyang signed on because he had a relationship with Thomas Tuchel. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, I have my own thoughts about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and, you know, his lack of work ethic. But... <laughs> I have plenty of thoughts that I don't need to say. You know, that aside, like, there are players at Chelsea that signed on specifically under the impression that they were working on... They were going to be working under Thomas Tuchel... And then he got fired two weeks into the season. Like, yeah. I'm going to kind of just leave it at that. Like, that I don't know that it's anybody specifically's fault, but things are not going well. Something's got to change. And the easiest thing to change is always the manager. Yeah. Well, I'm glad neither of us are Chelsea fans, so yeah. really, honestly, it doesn't really impact most of us. And if they become an easier team for our teams to beat, then here we are. Outside of that, um, that sort of middle section, then you've got Aston Villa and Crystal Palace who are sitting, you know, just a couple points below that. They're, they're not really, I don't feel like, in too bad danger. But what's really interesting to me is that from 13th place it's all the way down to so 20th is a five-point gap. Yeah. Um, honestly, so, honestly, I do think that Aston Villa and Crystal Palace, they're gonna be in the middle of the table. They probably yes. gonna they're not gonna make Europe, but they're not gonna be relegated. They're kind of just like going along their way. This is gonna be a fucking fun relegation battle. 
Because mm-hmm, there are I love relegation eight. battles. Me too. And there are eight teams really still in the I would like to give a line. shout out to Nottingham Forest, who was in 20th, I feel like the last time we recorded, and is now in 15th. 15. Which yeah. is significant. So, also, yeah, so we're Everton yet again. So to be quite honest, um Leeds is honestly in this in this bottom eight. <laughs> yeah. Um of, Leeds is actually in the best position because they are at 17 points um and have a game in hand. Yeah. So they are, you know, they gotta win their game in hand. They gotta, you know, turn out some results, but you know, Everton is in some trouble. Uh Wolves is in some trouble. Mm-hmm. Southampton. Southampton is probably in the worst trouble, but that Yeah. West Ham is not doing great. West Ham and Wolves are probably the two that if you had looked at this at the beginning of the season, you'd have been like, oh, Um, both of those teams had been relatively top 10, I would say. Both of those uh, Wolves has been a pretty consistent performer the last couple of years. The last I feel like the last five years or so Wolves have, you know, been pretty consistently mid table, usually, you know, eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th. Yeah, twelfth, sort of in that sort of mid table range. Yeah. Um, West Ham looked like they might hit it. They were close to hitting a, you know, a top four yeah. position last year. Weren't they? They were ahead um, of Arsenal, weren't they? No, maybe not. They, they were. They definitely finished top eight, but they they might have finished right after. They blew Arsenal. it. They blew it on the. They blew it on the last day. Yeah, um, I remember that. I forget exactly what position they blew, but they were in really good. They were, they finished really strongly last year at West Ham. So this is not, not cute. Not cute at all. Not um, cute, but it's, it's quite entertaining. Um, but yeah, a lot of really interesting things could go down with this, you know, this, the back half of the table, really. Honestly, the whole, honestly, the whole shebang, I feel like is a lot closer than it's been the last yeah. couple of years it feels um, like a lot of things i don't i think that a lot of things are gonna happen in this table in the second half of the season yes there's a lot you know a lot of a lot still to be played but a lot of really interesting matchups to come um we are you know this weekend is gonna mark the halfway point for about half the table yeah um and the other half will will be, you know, the, the game following that. But there's a lot of makeup games to happen, a lot of, you know, cup ties and stuff like that. Um, speaking of cup ties, um, the FA Cup third round was recently. Um, yep. Arsenal there was... and City will be playing each other in the next round. We now have three Arsenal City games to look forward to. And I texted Kat and was like, kill me now, please. In um, the next five months, in I, the next five months, Arsenal and City are going to play each other. They're re-time. Kill me. If, if they tie their FA Cup game, don't they play another one too? So it could be four. Yeah. Um, yeah. That being Which, said, by the way, yeah. I just want to comment on the FA Cups, um, how they do that. Yeah. Um, they just have a replay. Yeah. I, like, kind of hate that. Yeah, it's, an, it's just another um, game. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand why they don't do overtime or then or PKs. I don't know either. I just have stopped asking um, because I guess they just don't. Yeah. I, again, also, like, 
it's it's been this way, but like there were a lot of games in the third round that were ties and are going to go to replays, including yeah. Liverpool's game, Liverpool, I believe, and Wolves. It was. Um, yeah, there were a lot of massive, big, fun upsets though in this round of the FA yeah. Cup, and that is, I think, like the pull of the FA Cup is that like absolutely these um, like even like Arsenal played Oxford and like they were in Oxford Stadium and like. It was tied 0-0 at halftime. And, like, you weren't really that worried for Arsenal, but, like, Oxford came at them. And it's, like... Well, that's why, like, I do think it's really fun, which is why I'm kind of, like, okay. City got Chelsea in the third round, and now they have Arsenal. And I don't have any of the fun games. Come on, man. Like, you're killing me out here. Like, I don't want to play Chelsea and Arsenal again. Like, ugh. But it is what it is. Yeah. Um, will definitely be an interesting game. Um, in terms of the EFL Cup, um, the quarterfinals were yesterday and today. Uh, City lost to Southampton. I genuinely, in a move very unlike myself, um, super did not know that that was today and did not realize City was playing until it was already over. From what I understand, that's probably for the best. Um, Sounds like it. The City fans were not at all complimentary in City's performance. Um, I'm going to leave it at that because I didn't watch it. So I don't, I have nothing personal to add other than the fact that City absolutely has no business losing to Southampton to nothing. No, actually, we were saying that Southampton's the bottom of the league. Yes. So City has no business losing to Southampton to nothing. Um, and I haven't a haven't a clue um, what went wrong because I didn't watch it because I didn't know what was happening until after it was over. Got to um, love the EFL Cup. Arsenal has already been <laughs> kicked out of it, so I really wasn't paying attention. But um, here we are. I believe Man U won yesterday in their game, so they're in the semis. I'm not sure if there's been a draw for that. To be quite, to be completely transparent, let's be real. I'm probably not going to know. Oh, Let's okay. be here. We go. Forest beat Wolves <laughs> to reach EFL semifinal. So Forest and United, Forest and are then through. Newcastle. Newcastle beat Leicester. So in the semifinals, Southampton plays Newcastle, and Man U is playing Nottingham Forest. What if we got a Nottingham Forest Southampton EFL Cup final? That would be fantastic, and I hope that happens. I, I doubt it will. Too. I think it'll probably be Newcastle Man U, but we shall see. And then we'll have to root for Newcastle. Ew yeah <laughs> um ew. yeah ew yeah it's I'm, but, um, I'm all i'm saying is i'm not happy about the saudi takeover of newcastle but it just allows it gives me a full reason to dislike them and it i i'm thankful for that otherwise it'd be like ooh, fun like comeback story yeah. but i don't have that at all anyways that's anyway. kind of where we stand right now um, with all of that, the uh, the last thing to note is that I will be dragging myself out of bed at the ass crack of dawn this Saturday um, for the Manchester Derby, which I'll be honest, I'm a little bit apprehensive about being as Man United are in great form and City is apparently playing like piles of dog shit. So we'll see how that goes. Fine. Um, I have, there's also a North London Derby at a reasonable hour for me um, this weekend as well. So it's a Derby weekend. Great. Um, I don't know how I feel about Arsenal. I'm like, hell yeah, but also like it's Arsenal, so we could also get our asses kicked. 
healthy level we'll of see. pessimism, healthy level of optimism mixed together is how an Arsenal fan lives. Um, so that's how I. Well, I uncharacteristically am pretty pessimistic. So. I know, but Here watch City just, but City, but the stupid thing about City is that they could have this game against Southampton and they come back and just destroy United. Like, they have the capacity to do that. Sure, but we've been playing pretty shittily, like, since the Nothing break, like so a like comeback not... game against United. Is it, is it at did, home or away? We did, we did beat Liverpool, though. Is it home or away? It's away. Mm. That's okay. at Old Trafford. Yeah, that puts it out a little bit. Like I said, I would have a little bit, I'd feel a little bit better if it was at the Etihad, but it is not. It is at Old Trafford. So, um, again, we will have to wait and see, but I may be very miserable um, this weekend just because like, just why, why did they make this the early game? Okay. Because it just means that if it goes terribly, then I will have woken up at 530 a.m just to be miserable right like i think you should email the premier league and tell them just that and let them know yeah let me let me just call up the commissioner to the premier league real quick yeah um, just let them know maybe they'll change it real fast complain. just for you yeah they'll they'll change the kickoff time just for me um <laughs> oh, <laughs> anyways man. um i think that's the bulk of the material we have a couple other miscellaneous uh we have some you know, very random miscellaneous things um uh Quick note about some other leagues real quick. Um, the yeah. Bundesliga has not yet restarted yet. Good for them. We love the Bundesliga. Stay on vacation um, forever. We love them. Stay on vacation forever. Um, Messi is finally back at PSG. They will not allow him to celebrate Wait, with the World Cup trophy. I have, there's, funny, um, funny, there's funny PSG things, though. Their first game back, Neymar gets two yellow cards. The second one for, being for a very hilarious dive. And then Mbappe yeah. had to save his ass which I to win the game, which honestly it was kind of hilarious and then they lost the game the first time in like months and all the while Messi is just like celebrating back in Argentina giving like two flying fucks which is just entertaining but he's now back yeah so anyway that's that I just wanted to quick uh, make a quick note about that um other news around in La Liga um Real Madrid uh dropped points this weekend they tied um Barca sort of ground out a, a sort of a, not a pretty win but a, a win nonetheless um this weekend um yeah. it was uh it seems like it's been ages since I watched a Barca game but I feel like I actually watched them like you know at least once a month but anyway um <laughs> it was I wouldn't say it was a it was like an enjoyable game yeah. in the sense that it, Barca it was not pretty but they got it done. Um, Dem- the goal was actually very, very nice. Uh, Dembele finished um, with the Gavi assist. I thought Gavi played well. Gavi continues to, you know, play above at a talent level above his age. Um, but yeah, that's kind of um, yeah. What I got on the other leagues. Um, Ronaldo officially is now playing in Saudi Arabia, which good is riddance. hilarious. Good riddance. Um, yeah, good riddance sayonara see you but never. someone made a funny point that he was like oh i just wanted to go back and play for the champions league and then someone was like he joined a team that can't play in the champions league yeah there was also something funny where he was like yeah new challenges or something funny like that and he like went to play in the saudi arabian league but anyway nonetheless hilarious we bye won't bye. miss you bye bye will, will we will we miss him though i said we won't miss you oh i thought you said we will miss you as i said, I said we won't we Thank will God. not. We will not miss you. We will you. not miss you. He probably will slink back towards us for some apparent 
reason. We will probably never be free, but a girl we can We will dream. never be free, so, but one can hope. We will Watch. never be free, but a girl can dream. Um, I'm still, you know, Carly Lloyd has been retired for years, and I'm still not free of her. So, you know she what? She um, never will leave. Just wait until the World Cup this summer. She'll be back from full hush, flow. Don't, don't think about it. Mm, <laughs> I won't think about it. I want to live um, in blissful ignorance. Some um, other notable things. Um, Hugo Lloris announced that he was going to retire from, like, the French national team. Um, yep. He'll keep playing at Tottenham, but he uh, is done playing for France. Notable. And then the I, other... Yeah. I, I, here's what I will say about that. I always find it a little bit strange when players do that because I feel like you've never really retired from international football until you retire completely because there's always the off chance that something wonky happens and they need you and you end up playing again. I think it's um, more like he's not going to actively want it. Like if they don't have a goalkeeper yes. and he's the only one, like he probably would offer himself up. You I, know? I understand. I understand why they do it, but I also think it's kind of stupid. I feel like they could just do that privately in the sense that's like, hey, I'm done. But like, I don't feel like you ever really retire from international football until you yeah retire completely. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we've just seen enough players retire from international football only to come back yeah that like i just think that's stupid but whatever he says he's done yeah he may very well be done i mean i think at the at the end of the day it seems like at this point if you're retiring from international football what you're really saying is that you're not going to be playing you're probably going to be retired before the next world cup <laughs> um yeah which is probably true in the case of maurice um yeah. But the other important news is that Gareth Bale has fully retired from club yes, and national and international football. International. Um, um, this isn't surprising, be- but he is only thirty three. So I think that you look at you look at the age of some players and you're surprised. But it sounds like he, it almost is like he wants to go gracefully, and I don't necessarily I mind think, that. I think he would have retired two years ago if not for the World Cup. Yeah, I think um, so too. I feel like there was a point a couple of years ago at this point where Bale kind of lost, he lost his spark. He lost his love for the game. Yeah. It was just kind of done for him. Um, And I think that was probably had to do with some external factors as he was leaving Madrid um, and sort of that whole mess. And I have expressed my displeasure at their treatment of him before um, but nonetheless, I am not remotely surprised that he's retiring. I think he probably just wants to vibe and play golf without anybody like losing their shit over the fact that he's vibing and playing golf. Yeah. Um, honestly, like, and he, you kind of can almost honestly see him like going back and like coach. I don't know if he has any like desire to coach. He might not, but like his impact on the Welsh team is so big mm-hmm. i could see him being involved if he wants to keep doing yeah. something in the footballing world that's where i see him is at the welsh national team level in some capacity what i don't know if he would be coaching but like in a development like type of or like more yeah. of a sporting director type role yeah that's i agree what i see i agree i think i think at the end of the day also like he accomplished i think what he I think in many ways, this is at a different level, right? But I think if you think about it, if you think about, we think about, right, this World Cup, this was Messi's World Cup, right? He finally won his World Cup. 
he did this or whatever. This was Wales's World Cup as well in a different yeah. way. Yeah. In the sense that they just wanted to get, Bale just wanted to get his team to a World Cup. Yeah. And he did. Yeah. Um, and he scored. And, I, and he scored. And so, you know, he got Wales to a World Cup. You know, and I think that that ultimately was his goal for 17 years was that. Yes. So I think that he got his goal. He achieved what he set out to achieve, I think, in many ways. Um, he's got a bajillion Champions Leagues. He's got, you know, a billion league titles. And I think he just doesn't. He's succeeded at what he wanted to do. And I think he just is good with that. And I think fair fair play to him best of luck find some good golf to play gareth bale um i think it just i think it just sort of in the in the end it it feels like it you know gareth bale went out with a whimper and not a bang but i think to him it probably doesn't feel like that i think Um, so too i think so too i think that like I think him going out now at the age that he's at, when you probably could say he could keep playing, proves to the fact that he did what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. It was the same way, like, I think it was at the beginning of the season, I said that I wouldn't be shocked if Messi hung up his boots after the World Cup. Yeah. Now, obviously, I have changed my mind about that. I think Messi's just playing too well and he's enjoying himself too much. Yeah. But I think that if you, I, you know, Obviously, they're very different players in very different places. But I think if you look at where at their their sort of club level accomplishments and their international level aspirations, they're comparable in that sense. In that they have both finally gotten that last thing that they wanted to achieve. And the difference between them is that Messi is still really enjoying himself playing and that's why he continues to play. And I don't think Bale is enjoying himself playing anymore. And so he, now that he's achieved everything he set out to achieve, he's, he's content to hang up his boots. I I completely agree. And um, it was a pleasure watching him. I saw this very funny meme that was like, if Bale had stayed at Tottenham, he would have have won zero trophies in, in his entire career yet moving to Real meant that he won like 20 plus trophies or something. So always love a dig at Spurs. Um, and so I appreciated that. We do. We do love a dig at Spurs. Um, but the only last thing that we have on our agenda is uh, the drama filled story that never seems to end uh, revolving around the U S men's national team. Uh, Listen, talk about a way to make a bang, be like world cup, we're going to do great things in 2026 and then basically a soap opera. And it's really fun. Yeah. Um, um, you can explain maybe to better ability. The last time we talked, we talked about how Burhalter threw Gio Reyna under the bus about some, frankly, fairly minor misbehavior um, around the U.S. national team. It has since come out that in retaliation for Gio Reyna being thrown under the bus, for Holter throwing Gio Reyna under the bus, his par- Gio Reyna's parents, uh, Claudio and Danielle, um, it sounds like specifically Danielle, but, yeah. you know, these things are always a little hazy. Presumably they both knew what was going on. Um, 
then approached U.S. soccer about some, or about, not about some, about an incident of violence that took place between Greg Berhalter and his then-girlfriend, now wife, um, when they were 18 years old in college. At the time, Danielle Reyna was Rosalind Berhalter's roommate. So, obviously, Danielle Reyna, like, knew about the whole thing. Um, Essentially, there was an altercation of some sort, a physical one, where Berhalter you know, allegedly kicked her, or I don't think there's anything alleged about it. He said that he did. Yeah. Um, where he kicked her, um, at the very least, there's some debate about whether there was more than that, but essentially, you know, when they were 18 in college, um, obviously they worked through that. They're married and have three or four kids now. And that was, you know, 30 years ago. Um, and yeah so basically Danielle Reyna like ran to U.S. soccer with that after Berhalter threw Gio under the bus now to be quite frank none of this is a good look for literally anybody anyone it Um, makes us look so so bad (laughs) well here's the thing I'll be honest I don't think U.S. soccer as a federation really looks that bad because look at all the shit that France has done that's true that is true so i'm not that worried about like it in that and like the fact that courtois like stole de bruyne's girlfriend once upon a time like like there's been plenty of interpersonal national team drama that i'm like the fact that it's almost like obviously none of this is good this is a very serious topic yes Yes. um yeah the specific allegations against burhalter but like that aside like the fact that we are having soap opera drama in and of itself like is kind of something a lot of national teams yeah maybe maybe this marks our like entrance into being a top team in international yeah maybe it does (laughs) um but anyway back to the the specifics of this incident in the sense that nobody looks good from this burhalter certainly does not um the reynas certainly do not um Danielle Reyna I believe framed it as like she approached U.S. soccer in the sense that she was really put out that Greg was not able to you know forgive Gio and put it behind him when everybody had managed to do that for an incident that was far more serious when Burhalter was a similar age um which is how Danielle Reyna framed it um here's the here's the thing i i get her point yeah in the sense that like yeah i think and i and what i think about what how burhalter handled the situation which i spoke about the last time we recorded is still a hundred percent the case i still think what he did was despicable and ridiculous and he had no business talking about internal team politics publicly um even if he said they were private or whatever like we all know they weren't that i still that my opinion on that still stands 
none of this changed my opinion on that. Um, and I don't think, and I think G, like Gio Reyna's parents doing what they did. I think on, honestly, I think after that whole shebang, Gio Reyna actually came out of that looking much, much better than Greg Berhalter did. Yeah. And his parents have now kind of undone that. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, now, if just, I were... I, I read this really interesting article in The Guardian, which is obviously like a British newspaper, but they're basically like, this is a classic thing for American soccer parents to do. They were basically like akinning this to like, like soccer parents are like this and like this was stupid but like this was done on like the international stage so it was even worse but like this is the type of thing to be done like in this no, type this of is, sphere this is classic soccer mom bullshit right yeah like, exactly this is the kind of shit that like you know the high level youth club teams in the US this is the kind of shit that goes on there like I know this Anyone who's been in it knows it, so. We know it. Anyways, it, it that's correct. At the same time, like, I genuinely don't think Gio Reyna probably had anything to do with that. No, um, the incident so. that they're talking about happened way before he was born. Like, yeah. way before. And there's literally no reason that his parents would have ever told him about this. Like, it's, it it just is irrelevant. Like, there's no way his parents would have ever told him about this. And I just can't, what I imagine in my brain happened is that Berhalter threw Reyna under the bus. Reyna called his parents bitching about it. Yeah. As you would. Yeah. And was like, I can't believe he did that. Like, they're family friends, the Reynas and the Burhalters. Yeah, they like are very So that close. adds a layer. That adds a layer to this, yeah. right? So when, you know, there's a personal relationship as well as a professional one. So like, Gio Reyna probably was calling his parents and being like, I can't believe he did that to me. Like, that's so bullshit. Like, I'm gonna have to say something about this. Like, he he said he forgave me. Like, I don't understand. Like, what else was I supposed to do? Like. I'm so I feel betrayed like I don't understand like he bitched and moaned to his parents he threw a little bit of a hissy fit to his parents as I think he probably was entitled to do I think his mom got off that phone call and was like fuck that guy for messing with my kid I'm gonna do something about it and called U.S. soccer like I don't think there was a grand conspiracy here in the sense that like Gio Reyna was like, mom, what kind of dirt do you have on Greg? Like, I, I don't think, but I think the, I, I think, yeah. I also think the real victim of this shit is Greg Berhalter's wife. Yeah. And honestly, like, who genuinely just has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. But now Greg Berhalter's wife and kids have been dragged into this, which yeah. like, I am a well-documented Burhalter hater. <laughs> yes. But uh, the fact that I now, but literally before this happened, I did not even know that he had kids. Yeah, I didn't know he had kids either. I mean, like, I guess I did not know what his it, wife's I name was. I think I, I think I was like, 
it's not surprising to me that he's married and has kids. No. But I didn't actually know that no, he was no married. No, no idea. Like why kids. like why would that have mattered? Like there was no Because need. it's irrelevant to his yeah. job as the US men's yeah. national team coach. Yeah. Um but now so now this is a mess still. Um I don't think Burhalter was coming back as the coach. I don't think he's going to come back as the coach. So this all just felt really unnecessary from the Reynas. It's petty. It's very petty. Um, That's exactly what it is. It's petty. It's really petty, especially because the person who's being hurt the most is someone who has nothing to do with it. Yeah. Um, And it... Yeah. And ideally, you hope that, like, it's everything turns out okay for Gio Reyna in all of this. Yeah. But, like, if I... I'd be like to my parents, yo... No more. Like whoever this next coach is, you aren't ta- like out, right? Like yeah, I don't really know. It's a tricky situation because on the one hand, like part of this is a direct result of the fact that Burhalter like had all these connections with the Reynas, right? Yeah. Like this doesn't happen if he doesn't have personal yeah. connections with them. Like that's the only reason they know any of this shit, right? Like is because they because Daniel Reyna was there, like. But at the same time, like, you don't want that. That's bullshit. Well, you don't want to punish the kid. But also, like, no coach is going to want to deal with that. But also, like, how do you not include a talent like Gio Reyna? Yeah, I don't know. And it also is funny because it all does also circle back to the fact that Berhalto decided for some unknown reason not to play Reyna in the World Cup. Yeah. Which we still don't have any answers for. Which when he did that set off the chain of react the that, chain that, of events, that, right? That like, was stupid. Because he tells Reyna he's not gonna play. Reyna throws an immature hissy fit. He doesn't play. He throws him under the bus. Danielle Reyna goes running to US soccer. Like this is all it still yeah. goes back to this decision that we still we now know he chose not to do it before the reaction. So now yeah. the question is, what was going through your mind to then lead it to having made that? Like that's the question. He'll never. Tell We're never going to know the answer to that. We are anyway. never going to know the answer to that. Anyway, um, fun times. We do love the drama. I would like it to be over. I really actually didn't need any of it. Um. Hopefully the whole team can kind of just move past. Yeah, it. we'll okay. see. Gio Arena is never gonna live this shit down in the locker room. I hope that like they just like deal with it and push it beyond them, but who knows? Yeah, we're just gonna see what happens. I I don't think we're gonna hear very much more about this. I hope not. Sort of overtly. Um in the sense that I don't think they're going to do another contract with Burhalter as the coach. So, like, he's kind of done and out of the picture now um, in many ways. Um, I don't know who the new coach is going to be. They have, I believe, one of the assistants is going to be their coach for the sort of January or February. There's friendlies relatively soon. Yeah. Um, one of the assistants is, is going to be the coach for them. So they haven't hired somebody new and it's not Greg Burhalter, but – I don't really know what they're going to do, but we'll see about that. And um, I think really the biggest question to come out of this is like, how do you reintegrate Gio Reyna into this team after all this drama? 
And for that, we're just going to have to wait and see. They're not going to give us their plan to do that. So No. Hopefully not, at least. We would not like them to keep talking about internal issues very publicly. I would like it all to be tight-lipped. I don't want to be talking about it ever again. Uh, And would like to really just be talking about the football being played. But who knows? Who knows if that will happen? Anyway, hopefully we will never talk about this saga again on this podcast. But knowing the world, we probably will. Um, Any last thoughts on this? Anything else? Um, In the grand scheme of anything? Alrighty then. Well, with that, we are done with this episode. Sorry, it's a little bit chaotic. I feel like we didn't really have like I feel like the next episode will be back into our normal like weekly swing of things um so it'll be a little bit more normal uh kind of like structure but we'll talk to you next time any final words all right we're back see you next week (laughs) bye that's all for this week we'll see you next week on kicking balls